You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If, 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 if your blood runs orange and blue, orange and blue, blue, blue this, this is the pod, is the pod you. for you. You're listening to Orange and Blue Bloods, hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beer. Let's get to it, New York. We're going streaking, people. Welcome to Orange and Blue Buds, a New York Knicks podcast. You can find an Odyssey original on the Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcast. I'm your host, EJ Stewart, alongside my co-host, Tommy Beer. Tommy, what a what a crazy way to start this podcast. I mean, we came in with the Knicks struggling and kind of trying to figure it out. And now since we've started, uh, three-game winning streak, four-game winning streak, do we take credit for it at this point? Like, what, what, are we, what are we saying about this? I think we have to, you know, like I think, you know, like it's just at this point, you know, it's a, a clear sign that the uh, – the podcast gods uh, shine upon us and they wanted us to have a little something to talk about and it seemed like the season was sinking um, a week ago. And here we are four games later, eight days later, and uh, the Knicks are tied for the sixth seed in the East um, are, are all of a sudden a defensive juggernaut. And uh, it's been fun to watch, been an up and down season, uh, a brief uh, you know, we're we're basically, you know, somewhere between a quarter of the way through and, and a third of the way through when we've already had plenty of storylines and drama. Um, but that's uh, the beautiful thing about the NBA and the Knicks in particular, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it, things can change in a matter of days or a matter of weeks. And that is what has happened. I expected when we started this podcast, we having very different conversations about the Knicks, not necessarily wanting to have all these conversations about injuries, but then also did not expect to be talking about so much winning in this time period. Of course, uh, when you listen to this podcast, make sure you make sure you subscribe and make sure you auto download this podcast so you can get this uh, these episodes whenever we come out. We drop three times a week. So you want to make sure you're getting these episodes because apparently us recording means the Knicks are winning. So I think it's good news for you guys to continue to keep listening. Make sure you guys subscribe and auto download. Uh, on not just the Odyssey app, but anywhere you're getting your podcast for this show. So let's talk about last night. The Knicks won their fourth straight game, defeating the Sacramento Kings at the Garden, 112-99. The Knicks dominated the Kings for much of this game. Um, But the game still had its fair share of turmoil. So you had Julius Randle, who was just on fire for the first half of that game. He gets ejected in the third quarter after picking up back-to-back technical fouls. So they had to finish the game without Randall, even though he had scored 27 points in just 27 minutes, a big night for him. And then the Knicks were still able to hang on, but they may have lost their starting point guard in the process because Jalen Brunson went down the fourth quarter with what was initially described during the game as a foot injury. After the game, Tom Thibodeau said that Brunson suffered a sprained ankle. R.J. Barrett was able to pick up the slack 
for both of those guys. He had 27 points on uh, nine for 21 shooting. He also added nine boards and six assists uh, to that winning effort. So we'll we'll start with Brunson because that is the, the big news kind of coming out of this game. Brunson has been the most consistent and most important player on this Knicks team. And we don't know at this moment as we're recording on December 12th, December 12th, Monday afternoon, how long he'll be out. But we do know he did obviously injure himself. How concerned, Tommy, do you feel like the Knicks should be about this Brunson injury? Yeah, it's hard to, almost impossible to overstate the importance of Jalen Brunson when it comes to the Knicks, this Knicks team. Um, kind of very surprisingly, they've been able to, in this little four-game win streak, Brunson has played okay, but he hasn't played his best ball. But um, yeah. over, over the first part of the season, over the first 20-plus games of the season, um, really it's, it's hard to imagine how many games they might have won um, you know, they were only a couple, a few games under 500 uh, at their worst after the 23 game mark. Um, after that debacle against Dallas, um, they were 11 and 13, I believe, at the time. Um, but uh, or 11 to 14. But uh, either way, it, you know, of those 11 wins, you know, how many if they didn't have at Brunson, four, five, yeah. it's, you know, um, really, really um, had, had played as well as you could possibly hope. Um, and while the Knicks do have some depth at point guard, um, you know, Rose obviously might re-enter the rotation. We'll talk about that. And McBride quickly can handle point guard duties, et cetera. Um, Brunson's uh, the captain, the general of the team. He's been the team's best player thus far since uh, basically since the day he signed. So, um, you know, a, a lot of, you know, Knicks nations on pins and needles right now. Um, it looks worrisome when it happens. Um, yeah. Brunson, we know, is as tough as they come, dude, as tough as nails. Um, so for him to, you know, to kind of motion immediately, listen, I'm out. Um, it was, it didn't seem like a typical ankle sprain. You know, you're hoping to see him all. Oh, we came down on the foot, be out two games, you know, give him a week off. Um, right. like it, and, 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 and what really kind of raised hairs on, on Nick fans got, it got Nick fans nervous was the Knicks initially terming it a sore foot. Um, Tibbs after the game said it was an ankle. Um, who knows, uh, you know, what the reality is. I guess we'll just have to wait. Um, it probably doesn't make so much sense to speculate because if he is out for an extended period, really changes the dynamic of the team, the trajectory of the of the, of the franchise really in the short term. Um, so I guess we'll just wait and see at this point. Yeah, it, it's, it's a tough blow, especially if it does become something worse than an ankle, though they are only saying it's brain ankle. And to be fair, I mean, a sprained ankle, depending on the severity, the grade of the sprain, if it's a high ankle sprain, I mean, that could put you out a month. So it's not like, oh, they just completely dodged a bullet, bullet if it's not something with the foot and it ends up being an ankle injury. You still could be talking about missing five to six games with this kind of injury. But, yeah, I, I mean, he's been their most important player. They have played really well in this stretch where Brunson – has not been playing great, but Brunson also has been kind of banged up. Like, if you watch these games, he's been dealing with various different issues. He got banged up in this game. He took a very, very hard fall, and I really I was, was concerned about that fall yeah. where I thought that, okay, he might be out. Like, that was awful. He, I guess he got lucky that he didn't um, land worse on his shoulder because that could have ended up being dislocation, separation. That could have been really bad. He ended up taking most of the brunt of that fall onto his foot. So, yeah, that – Brunson's been playing banged up. He's a he's a he's a tough guy. He's a gritty guy, and we've seen him kind of play through his injuries. That might be some of the reason why we've seen these recent. I don't want to call them struggles, but you know he hasn't played up to the level he was playing at earlier this season. Uh, it may not hurt him to like sit out for a couple of games, not just to rest the ankle, but also just figure out whatever else may be going on with his body. But if he does have to miss a considerable amount of time, that will hurt this team. 
Now, the good thing about the Knicks are that they do have a lot of guards on this team. So if it means Rose gets inserted back into rotation, which Tip said pretty much everything is on the table when he was asked about the injury, that means Rose gets back uh, into the start into the rotation. We know Rose is capable. If it means IQ becomes a starter. He, I, I thought it was a really great to hear IQ kind of say, I don't really care about being a starter right now. I'm worried about my teammate and my brother who's hurt. You really love to see that kind of maturity from quickly there. But if it means quickly gets more time, he really seems to be riding to form. The Knicks will have guys who can kind of, I don't want to call it, say, pick up the slack per se, because I don't think anybody's Brunson. But they won't be at a total just loss without him. But it's going to be a tough blow. I mean, the guys are playing at an all-star level. I've been, you know, campaigning for him to be an all-star this season. And if he's out for a long time, that's not good news for this team. Uh, just uh, to your point, um, best case scenario, a minor sprained ankle. He's questionable. This is questionable for one of these games. Sit Jalen Brunson out Wednesday at the very least. Maybe Definitely. both games. Uh, I, I made the point Friday night. You should sit him out Sunday. This was before he fell on his hip and looked like he hurt his shoulder before the ankle foot issue. Um, he's, he, you know, going back weeks now, he had a shin injury and, and some other nagging injuries that have kind of been building up. Um, he's clearly looks a little bit slowed down, um, not scoring at his usually efficient clip. Um, so let the guy rest. He's earned it. Um, you have plenty of depth at guard. Let Rose get some burn. Let him get some cardio in there. Um, there's just there's there's really zero reason. Um, if you're going to make any noise this season, you need a healthy Jalen Brunson over the second half of the year. Yeah. Um, so I understand he's a tough kid. He wants to. I'm sure he wants to play all 82. I'm sure he wants to play 48 all all 82. Um, but give the kid a night off. Best case, let's just hope that it's best case scenario. Um, but either way, um, give the dude a break. And and the one thing about the Rose situation, if he does get inserted back into the rotation is Rose, if he gets some extended time, maybe he does play up that trade value. You know, I know he's been in trade rumors and the word is that he may be on his way out. Well, like right now he's not playing at all. So maybe he gets out there. Maybe he starts to find some of that touch that he had in the, in the 2021 season. And and then maybe you're able to move him more easily. So uh, that could be kind of a silver lining. If Rose does get more time though, I I think Rose has kind of struggled this year. He does. He does not look like the same player to me, but maybe he finds that, 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 that spark uh, playing more minutes onto this game in terms of the outcome of this game beyond the Brunson injury. I'm sorry, that Julius Randall ejection was like so frustrating to me because it really, to me, that game encompasses like Julius Randle's time in New York. Like you see that first half, which was essentially what I, I kind of previewed last week when we talked about the schedule and how it worked out. I saw the Sacramento Kings. I said, oh, DeMontis Sabonis is going to be on the court. You probably expect a big night from Julius Randle because whenever that guy's on the court, he, he takes it personally. And you see Julius Randle have a monster first half. And you see the Knicks playing so well and playing so cohesive. I mean, I really thought that that was – I mean, I know they've had some other big wins, but I really felt like that was the best I'd seen the Knicks play as a team um, in that first half. And to see them then take – and that refereeing crew was awful. Like, I do want to say that. Like, they, they they had no control over that game. Brunson almost got taken out. Guys from the Kings took some hard falls. Like, they, it was not a well-officiated game. But for Randall to have that kind of game and then take himself out, essentially, by just not being, how, being able to have any self-control – it kind of goes back to like he can always turn back to that guy. It doesn't matter how good he's playing. It doesn't matter what's happening with the team. He's always just one step away from turning into the guy we saw most of last season. And it, it, to me, it's like it, it just confirms why every good game I see from Randall is just 
to me, more reason why you should be excited that maybe his trade value is going up because you cannot trust this guy. And we saw that last night. If they would have lost that game, that would have been just, just brutal from Julius Randle. Totally agree. And uh, I wrote about this morning. It was just like the, you know, it's just a microcosm of the three plus years he's been in New York. Can't play any better than he did in the first half. Had a career high, 27 points, was literally dominating. Seems really confident in his three point stroke of late, Um, really shooting it well, Um, playing at an incredible level, especially on the offensive end um, that first half. And even before getting ejected. The first defensive possession of the second half, he doesn't box out Keegan Murray, lazily yep. looks around. Keegan Murray gets the rebound. Doesn't challenge a Keegan Murray layup, just kind of looks around, points at somebody else. And the blaming, the con, you know, yelled it quickly at one point in the, in the first half. Like, you just take the – it's the good and the bad that, that comes to Randall. But, yes, um, the ejection, inexcusable, uh, indefensible. You want to get one and make a point and scream at a rookie ref, make yourself feel better, okay. There's no reason to go chase after the second ref and get kicked out of the game. Um, your team needs you. Every win's important. You're, you're trying to, you have momentum. Um, and uh, so, so yeah, he just needs to be better, but I don't find it, uh, you know, um, I, it's hard to believe that he will, you know, that, that he will yeah. all of a sudden find a, a level of maturity that he hasn't exhibited on the court up until this point uh, in, in his next career. One other thing to note with that, I found it fascinating that Tibbs, after the game, when asked about the Randall, Ejection said, yeah, we need to do a better job of getting in between him and the ref after he got the first. That was Tibbs' takeaway. It wasn't like, I need my leader. I need my my leading scorer. I need my yeah. you know uh, highest paid player in the team. I need him to do a better job of holding himself accountable. No, it's we just the the amount that 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 Tibbs, you know, I don't know what Randall has on Tibbs, um, but it I, I, I did almost I laughed when I saw that. I, I almost thought it was a, you know, it was an onion. Uh, tweet um, when I saw that, <laughs> that Tibbs takeaway was yeah we need to do better job of not letting him you know get angry or or or, or attack a second ref so I just had to laugh at that and it's so consistent with how Tibbs has handled any kind of adversity with Julius Randle like if you remember last season every time people kept saying like you know what's the deal with Julius Randle's turnovers what's the deal with Julius Randle's bad flashlights what's the deal with Julius Randle and this bad body language and every answer was always well, as a team, we need to play better <laughs> every yeah. single time. Yeah. And it's so weird because if it's any other player, he had no problem saying RJ needs to get back into the gym. Obi needs to be more consistent. Like he never has a problem saying when he's asked a question about a particular player, that's not Randall saying, well, that guy needs to do something different. But when it comes to Randall, it's always, hey, guys, remember, it's a team. It's only yeah. a team when it's – Criticism of Julius Randle. It's never about the team when we're talking about RJ struggles or we're talking about OB struggles or IQ when he's struggling. It's it's only about the team when it's about Julius Randle. So, yeah, somehow getting in the way of Julius Randle losing his mind was the problem last night. Not that he lost his mind and got himself ejected in a game. And I was very nervous because the Kings just came back against the Cavs um and won a game on the road like I, I was like this is the perfect kind of game where your best player goes out in that game Randall was the best player he goes out and maybe the you know the, the Kings at certain points start seeming like they maybe were starting to kind of figure themselves out and then maybe they go on a run and then they pull that that game out of, out of, out of pull that game away you know like so just it, it's to me like every time I hear those two guys and I see these moments from those two guys this reminds me that this is not the long-term answer even when things are going well yep. and, and that, and that, that Randall ejection was, was, was annoying. But one thing I do want to note about that game 
before we kind of talk about Tibbs uh, in a more broad sense, is R.J. Barrett, is it fair to say he may be turning a corner at this point? I know we talked about some of his struggles the last time we recorded, but he had a really great game against Charlotte. He had a really great game last night. And he is starting to look more like the guy we saw in the second half of last season. The field goal percentage has been up in recent games. He's shooting the three ball better. He seems to be figuring out when to drive, when to finish at the rim, when to pass it. He had six assists in that game. I'm starting to really start to wonder, is this just a thing I got to just be ready for with R.J. Barrett, where I just just expect him to struggle mightily for the first month or so of the season, and then maybe he'll turn it around? Or, it, or is this like kind of a product of this schedule and the teams that they've been playing? Like, what? How do you see this recent R.J. stretch where he certainly seems to be playing much better? Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not of the belief that R.J. is kind of out of his funk yet. You know, even the last mm-hmm. four games, last four wins, he's shooting 41% from the floor, 32%, just under 32% from three. Um, he is making his free throw 79% clip. That's encouraging. And also rebounding better. He's at 7.8 rebounds. But um, he shot over 50% from the floor um, just once, basically, since Thanksgiving. Um, you know, still, uh, you know, you know, going back five games, um, you know, his, his field goal percentage um, is, is, you know, right in that right in that same area. So I got to see a little bit more from it. Um, also see a little bit more consistently from him on the defensive end. Um, missed some box outs yesterday. His closeouts yeah. have been sharp. Gave Keegan Murray a couple open looks from three. Um, but, you know, still puts up good numbers, stays healthy. Availability is the best ability, all that stuff. Got to give him credit for that. Um, and very interestingly, I thought – from an RJ perspective was, um, and to his credit, he played four. He, he, he slid over to power forward once Randall got ejected and basically stayed at the four for the final 15 minutes of the game um, and had some success there. Um, so when Brunson went down, when Randall went down, um, you know, RJ made some shots, missed some shots. Um, I thought, but I, I thought that the key factor there, um, and it's a consistent theme in this current winning streak, is they ratcheted up the defensive intensity. Yeah, um, has a lot to do with the players on the court. Miles McBride, Quentin Grimes, um, Emmanuel Quickly. Um, I was running some numbers this morning. Um, best three man unit in the NBA. Um, of uh, of three man lineups, this is according to NBA stats that have logged at least 50 minutes. The best three, the be, the the three man lineup with the best defensive rating in the NBA is Grimes, Deuce, and Quickly. They have a defensive rating of 76.5. Um, again, that's lowest among all qualified trios. Uh, the best two man lineup in the NBA with at least 15 minutes played together is Grimes and McBride. So it just kind of speaks to the the importance um, of having players that um, are able to pressure teams on the defensive end, especially on the perimeter. Um, one other stat that I dug up this morning, um, first 23 games of season, so that's from the start of the season to that um, Dallas debacle, um, the game they lost to the Mavs on that Saturday afternoon. The Knicks were averaging 8.1. They have Knicks allowed 8.1 made three-pointers, wide open made three-pointers per game. That was the most in the NBA over the first 23 games of the season. In the four games since, during this four-game winning streak, the Knicks are allowing just 3.5 wide open made three-pointers per game. That's the lowest in the NBA during mm. this current seven-day seven stretch, this four-game stretch. So um, a lot of it's focus, attention to detail, and also having the personnel on the floor guys that are willing to, you know, not die on screens, 
um, you know, and aren't so much worried about their offensive output, but really focus on the defensive end. And when you get, uh, you know, particularly point of attack defenders with Grimes and McBride, um, it's, it's really, and the numbers speak for themselves. Miles McBride, the last 12 times he's played at least 15 minutes, the Knicks are 12 and 0. Um, so, uh, you know, we've been calling for a lot of us have been calling for more minutes from McBride. It's good to good that he sees it. We'll see if he can keep it up. And my question is, what happens when IQ, Grimes, and McBride start knocking down shots? Because they really yeah. have to play. They haven't been efficiently uh, efficient offensively yet. Yeah. If they can, you know, contribute uh, just as you know, somewhat close to their 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 offensive contributions can match the defensive contributions. There is still a, a further level that they can take it to. So it'll be interesting to see if they can, you know, kind of get there. Yeah, and like I said in the last pod, like McBride shoots great everywhere except for in NBA gyms for some reason. Um, we know IQ can make shots. We know Quentin Grimes can make shots. Grimes had a really good game against Charlotte uh, last weekend. So, like, you you got to expect at some point those numbers will, will tilt towards those guys playing better offensively. And when that does, if they're still giving your you the defensive output that they're putting uh, putting out on the floor, then, you know, that you may be really cooking with gas there. So definitely something to follow. Knicks win their fourth straight game. Um, it was a win without Darren Fox on the court, but a win's a win. They lost that game. I'm sure we would have been going crazy talking about how how the hell they lose that game. So credit where credit, where credit is due. Knicks win four straight. Uh, we'll talk about their uh, games, their two games with Chicago later on in the show. But I do want to shift the focus on to Tom Thibodeau because I feel like the outlook on Tibbs has changed drastically over the past two weeks. So the coach was essentially seen to be on a scorching hot seat after they got just pummeled by the Mavs a couple of weekends ago. But the team has been playing really good basketball of late during this four-game stretch. He did make the drastic move to remove Derrick Rose and Cam Reddish from the rotation. He's added Deuce McBride to that rotation. We've seen the team's defense improve tremendously. So when you look at this four-game stretch and you see the adjustments Tibbs has made, I ask you, Tommy, do you feel like Tibbs' job should be safe now? Do you feel like they should kind of wait this thing out and kind of see if if he really is the guy that can can continue forward with this team based on how they're playing right now? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, listen, it's it's you know they're they're above five hundred. They're tied as as we're recording. They're tied for the sixth seed in the East. Um, that being said, they're you know basically two games ahead of the the two and a half games ahead of the Bulls, which are the eleventh seed. Um, So there there's there's a fine line that they're walking here. But until they even, you know, get anywhere near that point, um, the way the roster is constructed, the way the front office has chosen to kind of go about things um, and and including keeping Tibbs going into the season, um, they really showed no interest in tanking, which is probably the direction um, a lot of us would have preferred, you know, starting the season once they didn't get Donovan Mitchell, um, mm-hmm. you know, part ways of Fournier while he still, you know, had a, had, had more value. Um, see what you can get for Rose. You can definitely explore the Randall market. Um, but, you know, they're considering where they are, where they are now and considering that there's, you know, kind of a lower echelon of teams that have kind of separated themselves in the, Brick for Vic, Wembayana, sweepstakes. You know, you have the Magic, Hornets, Pistons, Spurs, and Rockets, all with eight wins or fewer. Um, right. Knicks were already 14 and 13. So the chances of them, you know, uh, of the Knicks getting down in that, you know, assuming Brunson's healthy, um, unless, you know, we were to miss an extended period, that that I guess would change things. But if you roll out a, a lineup with Brunson and, and Barrett and Randall, 
Grimes and Mitch every night. No matter what you do with the bench, no matter how many other young guys you want to play, um, it's just hard to see this team falling two game, you know, too too far below 500, um, where they would make a run at, uh, you know, you know, I guess the seventh the seventh worst record in the NBA, some along those yeah. lines. So if you're not going to be in that that really lower tier, and um, you know, like I said before. Tibbs is a win now coach. He's going to try to squeeze every win out of the roster. So um, it's it's clear that that's the the, the the where they're headed. You know, the, their goal is to qualify for the play in or and or the playoff. Um, and and so until Tibbs does, you know, um, uh, you know, until they fall far back in the standings, I, I don't see it happening. And again, even at that point, it's something that we talked about one of our first pod episodes is Leon Rose is is fully cognizant of the fact that once Tibbs gets thrown overboard the next you know the next head on the stake outside the garden would would be Leon Rose so he's going to give yeah. Rose every opportunity to kind of uh you know make his way through the season and then probably reassess things you know in a three four months from now yeah I mean I think that that last point is a good one because you know when we were when I think it was a, it might have been Jake Fisher who did the report last year about like how the team views Tibbs and how much that, you know, the front office really likes him. And one of the reasons why is that he, quote unquote, you know, takes the bullets in the press yes. conference, yes. Um, which was just it, that was that was that I incited so much rage in me. when I thought that that was why they liked him and why they wanted to keep him around. But that is a real thing with this team. Um, I think that this is a real thing that he does go out there and he will answer questions regardless of how nonsensical some of his answers are and that he does take those bullets for the for the front office. I think they like that. I think they like the fact that he is not a coach that's going to, in, uh, you know, embrace tanking because that's not the direction the front office is going. So I think in some ways he's a perfect match for, I guess, whatever vision, whatever that vision is that this team has. So, yeah, I, I think right now with the way you look at the Eastern Conference, it just feels like to me that the Knicks won't ever really be out of it for this season now. Maybe I'll come back and I'll sound crazy in a couple of months. But just, <laughs> Let's give it a couple of weeks, but yeah. Right. But like when you think about like just the way the Eastern Conference is set up, like, I mean, I think the six teams ahead of them are more talented than sure. Boston, Milwaukee, Cleveland, Brooklyn and Atlanta. Um, But then the teams you see that are in the mix in terms of the play in Indiana, I wouldn't say that they're more talented. They may they may end up selling off some of the pieces that they have on their team that have them with their uh, winning record right now. Uh, Toronto. You know, they kind of were surprised last year. You know, do they maybe find a touch later this year, perhaps? But I don't know if I'd say that's a uberly talented, more talented team than the Knicks. I don't know what's wrong with Miami. But Miami typically finds a way to figure it out. But I don't know what's going on with them. There is something weird going. First of all, the Raptors lost back-to-back games to the Magic. I, you know, I, I was yeah. of the belief that, you know, they'll oh, they'll figure it out. Fred Van Bleed and, and, and you know, they, it's Scotty Barnes, they, they, you know, well-coached team and, and all the other stuff. I, I, back-to-back losses. To, I mean, if listen, if Tibbs had lost back-to-back games to Orlando, uh, oh, yeah. weekend, he'd probably be fired. You if, know? Yeah, that, that it would have been over. Yeah, You know, um, and, and 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 same thing with the heat, you know, heat culture and all that stuff. You know, we all say ah, they'll figure it out. Only a matter of time. They lost to the Spurs at home Saturday night. I mean, that's a that's a, 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 the and and they had just lost to the Pistons earlier that week. So losing yeah. two home games to the Pistons and the Spurs, two teams hoping to lose as many games as possible. Miami's about to kick off a four game road trip um, where they had they they play the Pacers, then three games out west. Um, 
you know, two games against the Spurs, the Rockets. So it's not your typical, you know, daunting West Coast road trip. But again, at this at this stage of the game, um, what is a winnable game for the for the Heat? So um, yes, to, you know, I, I agree with you. There's just you know the Bulls. We got an up close look at them the next uh, yeah. the, the next couple day, you know next, next next two games they play in Chicago Wednesday night in Chicago Friday night. Um, they are four games under 500. Just had a heartbreaker last night to Atlanta. Well, it'll be interesting to see how they bounce back. But yeah, of those teams. Even the Hawks, you know, we talked about them last week on the pod that there's some funky stuff going on in Atlanta. Yeah. Um, I don't see any of those teams running away, um, you know, with, uh, you know, kind of run away and hiding from the Knicks. I think they'll, all those teams will kind of hover around 500. I think there's a very clear delineation between the top of the East, the Celtics, Bucks, Cavs, and 76ers, and and the Nets. Those kind of yeah. five teams have, have separated themselves, and rightfully so. I think we all kind of envision that. And those teams really, I don't see any of the, other teams in the conference so much as challenging them, pushing the five games or six games uh, in a playoff series. I think those guys are really the cream of the crop. Um, you know, again, assuming, you know, uh, Embiid stays healthy and Harden and, and Giannis and Tatum, yada, 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 all the qualifiers. But um, I think the Knicks will stick around 500. I think they'll stay around that 7, 8, 9, 10 area, uh, maybe get as high as 6, maybe slip as low as 7 over the next 11, over the next two months. Um, and for that, um, you know, Tibbs should be stick around, I would assume. Yeah, and as long as they're contending for a playoff spot with the way now we could argue should they want to be in that position of that seven to ten range trying to get to the playoffs, I would say probably not. But right. as long as they're in that position, I feel like Tibbs will be fine. I mean, before this wing streak, it really did look like the Knicks would be maybe out of here very quickly if they did not make some kind of move with the way you see the team is playing. It makes you wonder, like, for me, is this, you know, you know, we ask the question, like, is this winning streak real? It's like, I think it's complicated. It's like, they're winning the games, obviously. So, obviously, they are real. It's also obvious that, you know, De'Aaron Fox didn't play last night. It's also obvious that they pummeled a Hornets team that didn't have half their roster. Um, Jared Allen didn't play in the Cavs game. So, there are other things and other factors that definitely go into it. We know what happened to Hawks game, Murray going out. They didn't have Collins. But... What I want to see is the is the process of how they're winning these games sustainable or at the very least the right ways you go about playing basketball. That has been very encouraging, which I think is an encouraging sign for how this team is playing right now because the the main thing was the defense. It was the fact that they just were letting teams light them up at three-point line, and it started with the fact that they could not contain the ball. If you cannot contain the ball in this day and age in the NBA, you are dead on arrival. It doesn't matter what kind of scheme you have because – guards or any players just able to get into the paint and spray it out there every team has a lot of shooters except for the lakers so every team has shooters so it doesn't matter who you're playing you can play bad teams and they can let you up because yep. everybody has shooters if they're getting great looks um they're gonna they're gonna hurt you so the fact that the knicks are now playing now multiple guys who are plus defenders even when they play those better teams i think you'll see them put off put forward much better efforts and they'll win their fair share of games. Like I mentioned, we mentioned on the, on the last pod a couple of days ago that like they don't they really haven't beaten any good teams. Yeah, they can't beat these good teams because they can't stop anybody. But if they end up playing defense like this, they're going to lose a lot of those games still because they're not that talented. But they'll win their fair share because you're playing three plus defenders now. You're playing IQ, you're playing Grimes, and you're playing a McBride. And that was the weird thing about Tibbs's reluctance to play mcbride because mcbride feels like such a tibbs player like that's what that that's what never made sense to me it was like tibbs 
you know, is supposed to be the defensive guru, the guy that, you know, everything begins and starts and ends with defense. And you have this guy who, yeah, we see his struggles in terms of shot making right now. But you see a guy who clearly is a big impact defensively. And it seemed like they he was coming up with every excuse not to play him. Like, I'll never forget last season when they talked to him about, hey, why don't you try McBride in there? And his answer was, well, we can't play McBride next to IQ because we can't have a small backcourt defensively that will hurt us. And then when he played McBride and IQ, it turned out that was his best defensive backcourt of all the combinations he had last year. And that's what's annoying when I hear these comments with him. We talk about stats being line, stats being, you know, you know, they're they're not true or they're they're out of context. And they say you gotta watch the film. But then when you try the things people are saying and it works, it works because the stats are justifying that it works. Like, I, I do not understand why he keeps going down this road. And I do want to play real quick because he did say something very interesting last week in regards to people, um, quote unquote, regurgitating stats and not watching the film. So I want to play this real quick for you guys, and then we'll talk about it on the back end. You know, like, there's going to be ups and downs. Like, sometimes you can look at, you know, a game and try to draw conclusions, and you really, you know, like, you could look at stats and, you know, you look at numbers and they don't really mean anything. It's I could tell the people that are, you know, regurgitating numbers and they haven't watched any of the film. And so when you look at it in totality, it gives you context of what happens on plays and what happens in a game. Like I would be. I tweeted this. I would be embarrassed if like I was the guy who said the film told me to start Alec Burks 44 games at point guard. Like, like, I don't like he keeps he for some reason he keeps going back to that because uh, I guess somebody in that front office or somebody in that coaching staff is like showing him, hey, the fans are pointing to these numbers. That's why this guy should be starting or that guy should be starting. He's getting very frustrated because he feels like us fans don't know what the hell we're talking about. But then, like, the decision he does makes that he says are based off of the film, like, I just again, I, I would be embarrassed. Like, I would be embarrassed to say, oh, the film told me to start the worst lineup, one of the worst lineups in the NBA last season for half of the season as my starting lineup. Like, I don't know what he's referring to when he keeps saying that the stats don't tell the whole story and these other people aren't watching film. It's like, okay, well, when you do watch the film, let's say you don't care about any numbers, you don't see your team's getting run off the gym with certain starting lineups. You don't see the impact that Deuce McBride has when you just watch the film. Let's say you don't watch any of the, uh, any of the stats. Like, that part of it is so annoying with Tibbs. And he always seems to do this when they finally start winning. When they're losing, he doesn't want to talk much. He he don't he don't want to talk about, you know, people not getting the right ideas or whatever. But when they start winning games, that's when he wants to get on his soapbox. And he acts like he came to these conclusions by himself and nobody else thought about this. When people have been calling for these changes he's made this season since last season. So a few things. Um, one... And now that the Knicks have won four games in a row, one of the things Tibbs talked at length about last night was effective field goal percentage, the mm-hmm. Knicks three-point percentage defense, um, Knicks defensive rating. So to buttress his argument that I was right, he's using the same numbers And you know, now that they're more favorable than folks that were, were complaining about before. Two, um, I actually, one of the comments in the preseason on media day, actually, 
um, was it media day or the, or the first practice thereafter, um, it was on media day. He talked about, somebody asked him, Hey, are you going to play OB and Randall together at the yeah. four or five? And he said, no, you know, the numbers tell us that, um, you know, somebody asked, you know, he said no. And then somebody asked why, you know, that, you know, he said, all oh, the numbers tell us that they weren't overly effective. I happened to be covering the practice the following day. And I said to him, listen, here, the numbers stipulate that R Randall's best plus minus of all players he played next to last season was actually um, Obi Toppin. And, you know, just kind of, you know, read the, basically read the numbers. You know, I had, a, I had, a little, yeah. I had my little notepad and I, 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 I said, this is the numbers, the, the, the plus minus, that two-man lineup, Obi Randall, et cetera, yada, yada. He, he basically... You know, he said literally use the words. Um, I, I've watched the film. Some of you guys haven't. And then said a lot of those are taken out of context because they were garbage time, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's cool. All, all well and good. I, I appreciate right. the, the honest response. Um, that being said, and, and I think a lot of fa some fans like will get mad when, oh, you guys take offense to it when he says that. I know that he he knows more than I do. You know, he's he's that's why he's a head coach and you're not. I'm not saying I'm smarter than the head coach. I wouldn't <laughs> pretend to ever claim Tom Thibodeau has forgotten more about basketball than I'll ever know in my entire life. He spent a lifetime in and around the game. Um, you know, that being said. I watch a fair bit of basketball myself. I've made it my career the last 10 years. Um, yeah. I've watched a lot of games. I don't I don't watch the film consistently. I don't watch nearly as much as Tibbs and his staff, but I still don't know nearly as much as Tibbs does because I, I haven't dedicated my life to it. And one team in particular likes Tibbs, like Tibbs has these last three years of the Knicks. That being said, there's still the possibility that someone might suggest something that could be beneficial for the team, whether that's playing McBride more or Randall and, and Obi together at the four and the five. And he, it, this, this, his reluctance to kind of accept any other point, um, to, you know, to come to the conclusion that the only way I'll make a change is if I see it on film. You know, okay, but then when McBride plays and McBride plays well and the team does well, to brush it off as to you know, and sort of insinuate that I came to this conclusion, um, irrelevant of facts to you know to right. the case, um, you know, it rings a little hollow. Um, but again, it's a, you know, to be a coach in the NBA, to be that high position profile, you got to have a bit of an ego. Um, I guess it comes with the territory. The good news is he's kind of done the right thing. Whether that's management's insistence that he right. remove his buddy Rose from the lineup. Um, or, you know, take Fournier out, out of the lineup, whatever the case is, um, it, it, it's good that it's here. And one last thing on yeah. the on the Burks issue from last season. Again, Alex Burks, a 30-year-old shooting guard, started the first 22 games after the All-Star break at point guard for a Knicks team that was 11 games under 500 in early March. Okay, we know what happened. You know that that happened. That's that's the reality situation. Now McBride is playing. the The irksome factor when I think back is, what if McBride had played the twenty plus minutes a game he's playing now, and right. instead of Alex Burke, who player will never be part of the franchise again, you know, had been benched. Might McBride's trade value been increased by 7%, 15%, yes. 25%? And might that have increased the possibility of Danny Ainge accepting a trade? In, you know, might he accepted a top five protection on the 2027 draft pick? If we include Miles McBride, you know, yes. that's where things, you know, you can't 
ignore the reality of of delaying this this insertion of McBride in the lineup that did have detrimental consequences from from last year. So that's something that also should be noted when we're discussing the big picture. Yeah, and would McBride be a better player for the Knicks today had he been playing the time he's been playing last year? Let's yes. say he's not in the trade. Like, what if he's getting valuable experience, whatever yips he's getting with the jump shot? Yes. He gets that out of the way. Yes. Maybe he comes into the season and he's a more advanced player because he's getting real time. You're not wasting your time with Alec Burks. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, Tibbs, I, I get on him a lot. Some people probably feel like it's harsh. I think he's made the right adjustments for most of this season. I, I don't like the way he coaches in-game. I feel like he doesn't make adjustments in-game very well. But in terms of, like, seeing the tea leaves, seeing how things are going, and then making, you know, kind of big moves, taking Fournier out of the rotation – you know, he eventually took Rose out of the rotation. All that was, you know, those those were good moves. I just wish that, uh, one, he wouldn't be so like, I don't know, this this weird energy he's got with the uh, the, the people who don't watch film. Um, and I, and I wish he would, he would he would kind of take ownership with some of the mistakes that he has made. But um, we come into uh, this week, uh, like I said, with the winning streak, the team is uh, now set up for a two game set against the Chicago Bulls. The Bulls are 11 and 15 um they suffered as you mentioned a brutal buzzer beater loss to the hawks aj griffin with an alley-oop layup at the end of the game to win uh chicago's been one of the more disappointing teams this season but they were on a two-game winning streak before that loss last night on the injury front for the bulls lonzo ball he's been hurt all season recovering from a knee injury he's obviously not going to be playing caruso missed the last game with a table injury he's been listed as day-to-day though uh I saw Billy Donovan seemed a little optimistic that he'll be back on the court soon. So how do we see these two matchups with the Chicago Bulls here, uh, Tom? Yeah, I think it'll, it'll tell us a little bit about the, you know, the direction of, of, of obviously can the Knicks continues momentum. Um, Knicks haven't had a winning streak of more than four games. The only time in the last eight years was that um, the 2021, 22 season when they won eight in a row um, and, and eventually got the fourth seed. Um, so can they continue that momentum going forward? Um, and I, th- I think obviously the, the first and foremost bit of information we'll all be waiting for is whether Jalen Brunson plays or doesn't play. Um, that'll obviously have a huge impact how the Knicks adjust. Um, you know, for the Knicks are obviously hoping Caruso doesn't show up, but, um, the, the Bulls should be relatively healthy. Um, so had the Bulls bounce back from that, from that tough loss. Um, and it's, it's odd. This is the first time it's happened elsewhere in the NBA, but the cut down on a travel schedule, um, the Knicks are playing two games, uh, in, uh, over three nights in Chicago. Um, so it has kind of a baseball series or, or playoff series feel to it. Um, yeah. so it'll be a first kind of taste of that this season. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, it, it will be interesting. Um, the Bulls and Knicks typically play really good competitive games against each other. I feel like every time the last few years they played, they've usually been really good games. So I expect these games to be close. Jalen Brunson potentially being out for these games won't help. The Bulls aren't necessarily great at point guard. I, I really like Ayo Desumu, but um, but clearly he's not one of the top end guards in the league. He's a young player that's still kind of developing. So I think this may be kind of one of the teams where if you don't have Brunson, you may kind of be okay considering like the matchup you have at point guard. So it'll be interesting to see where Tibbs goes in the starting lineup. If it is IQ or if Rose even starts, that's probably unlikely, but, um, but there'll have to be some adjustments, obviously if, uh, if Brunson can't go, this has been a, a, a long-term rivalry with the Knicks and Bulls that of course dates back to those, uh, those playoff matchups in the nineties. Tommy, do you have a favorite memory or moment in the Knicks Bulls rivalry when you think back on it? Um, yes, uh, I immediately thought to the dunk 
um, mm. which uh, you know is is is, a, is an iconic moment in and of itself. But if I had to pick one moment, I would choose Game Seven of the Eastern Conference Semifinals um, of that '94 season, the, the season the Knicks actually made the finals. I went with my dad. My dad surprised me with tickets um, wow. to that game, to that Game Seven that day, that morning. Um, surprised me with tickets. Took the train in, sat in section 219, um, and we were just hugging random people in the aisles. Um, wow! Once Ewing raised his arms, and and um, you know, and, and they won that game, low-scoring game. Um, I don't remember much of the specifics, but I remember um, hugging my dad, and you know, finally slaying, albeit without Jordan, slaying the Bulls. Um, so that was a really cool moment. One of my favorite um, in-person moments, certainly in uh, in my lifetime, actually. And it's funny how you mentioned that you don't remember some of the specifics of that game because Bulls fans remember it a lot because they always talk about – I think there was like a, a situation where like Scottie Pippen fouled out or there was a weird foul on Pippen in that game that they thought was like bogus um, that helped the Knicks, I guess, lead them to that win in game seven. And, you know, it's it's the one kind of shining moment in the Knicks rivalry with the Bulls that they were yes. able to actually uh, top them in that game. And Bulls fans will never forget – and they'll never let you forget that they should have even won that series. The Bulls should have somehow found a way to win that series. It wasn't for the referees. So um, I'm always reminded of that from Bulls fans. So I think that's funny. It's, now, I was only three years old when the Knicks played the Bulls in 94. Um, and I know I caught the Knicks-Bulls rivalry, not really with any playoff series, but kind of just really high-end, um, you know, regular season games in like 96, 97, 98, when I really started first started watching basketball. But for me, the biggest, best moment or my favorite moment in the rivalry is uh, the mellow on Easter, the, the, the back-to-back threes he hit. Um, I mean, that. I mean, want to talk about, you know, the garden, just the roof going off the garden. Mellow, you know, you're down by three, and he hits a three to send it to overtime, uh, you know, from about 30 feet. And then in overtime, comes back, hits another three to give them the lead. Uh, those, to me, are, are, are the, the, every time those clips show up, on Easter Day, on Twitter, as people will remind us of that moment, I still get chills because that was the moment for me. Like Melo truly arrived as a Nick in that game. Jeremy Lin had been hurt, uh, Lin had been missed a lot of time, and Melo kind of was starting to kind of get back into it. He wasn't having a great year that year, but it seemed like everything changed after that game. That was a rare double bang from Mike Breen, I think. Yeah, Melo, you know, yeah, that was that was a, that was a cool one. Yeah, yeah, and the Bulls were one of the top teams in, in the NBA. Yeah. Tom Thibodeau actually was coaching on the sidelines uh, in, in that game. So um, I'll never forget that game. So should be a good one. These are two more winnable games for the Knicks. It's hard to beat a team back-to-back and sweep them, but if they want to keep this winning streak going, this is certainly not a team that they can't handle. So, uh, EJ, real, real quick, yeah. do you sign up right now, one one and one, splitting a, a, a split right now? Do you take a yeah, split? Yeah, I, I think you take that, you know, especially if, if you're assuming Brunson – Definitely doesn't. I don't think there's any chance he plays both of these games. Right. I think it's. I think it's likely he may not play either. Right. But yeah, I think you take a split. I think even if he doesn't play on either of them, I think the Knicks should be able to get one of these. Okay. Um, assuming you know Randall, of course, will still be there. He won't get ejected again. Right. Um, they, they should find a way to to get these games. The Bulls have just been in a tailspin. Um, it's it's weird when you watch them. It's like either their offense is funky. And they kind of get caught in these low-scoring games, or they can't guard anybody, and they their offense is playing well, and they lose these games. It seems like the Bulls have just been very up and down. I expect the crowd in Chicago; they always seem to be very good for these games because I think they understand the rivalry. So I I don't expect it to be easy, the easiest place to play, but a split is something that I think they should be they should be happy with if they can get it. Yeah. Agreed. 
Agreed. I, th- I think uh, you have to take it if you can get it. Absolutely. Well, I think that's all the time we got for today. So thank you guys for checking in on Orange and Blue Bloods. Again, this is a New York Knicks podcast for Odyssey and WFAN. You can find it on uh, the Odyssey app, which is free, or any of the other places you find your podcast. Make sure that you subscribe to this podcast and you hit auto-download on this podcast so you can get it every time, three times a week. And make sure you also give us a review and let us know what you're thinking and how you're feeling about the podcast as well. So, again, make sure you uh, download and subscribe to the podcast. We'll be back later this week to talk about these Bull games, these games against the Bulls, and uh, various other uh, stuff happening with the Knicks throughout the week. Tommy, uh, tell them where they can find you. At Tommy Beer on Twitter. Uh, Enjoy your week, fellas. Same here. EJ underscore Stewart on Twitter. Pleasure talking to you guys as always we'll be back later more on blue bloods tommy i'm ej take these guys 